We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? We'll be discussing John Collins. No, not John Collins <laughs> trades on this one, Nick. He's finally gone. Atlanta finally moved on. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about more Nets trade targets. But before we jump into it, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button, drop a review. Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, I've got my realistic tiers here. So we're discussing realistic targets for the Nets on this podcast. So I've got point guards or guards and i've got bigs because the wings you know doesn't really make a lot of sense with cam johnson probably just going to be the wing that the nets get in restricted free agency and resign. you got mikhail bridges you've got Derek whitehead you've got these other sort of guys behind the scenes um where do you want to start uh my list is not separated jack so you you make the decision which way you want to go let's go with the guards because i think my guard list is a seven long do you want me okay. to go through all of them and then you can sort of uh, throw back at me if you have any extra names that I might have missed in my... I actually did some pretty in-depth research on this one. Nice. All right, Jack, hit me. Cole Anthony, Colin Sexton, DeLon Wright, Monty Morris, Anthony Simons, Corey Joseph, DeJounte Murray, Damian Lillard. Obviously, you can, we've discussed Damian Lillard at length. We won't be discussing him, but did I miss any names around the sort of guard realm that the Nets could target in through trade? Yeah, I mean, I just mentioned some like backup guys, you know, especially if they make a trade for a star player, they want to like solidify the roster. Uh, Alex Caruso as like backup guys, you know, I don't yeah, know. I had Alex Caruso as well. I didn't classify him as like a guard because yeah. I think he's somewhere sort of in between. And I think Tyus Jones as well is, yeah. I think someone, I think Cypher mentioned in my replies when speaking about guys at the Nets could realistically target. Yeah, it was Cypher uh, on Twitter in the, the replies to my tweet. So I think Tyus Jones, you throw him in there as well. Should we have just a general discussion about those guys, Nick? Is there anyone who's, I guess, the most realistic out of those ones? Throw in Markel Fultz, because I think some people yep. will be disappointed if we don't discuss Markel Fultz. Do I think oh, he's less realistic? Well, we did realistic. touch him on, on the upside list. And yeah, I think as well, you can throw in Jalen Suggs, maybe. You yeah. Know, as well, we discussed him a little bit on the upside sort of list too. But in terms of realistic guards, who are your top three most realistic guards that the Nets could go after slash should go after? Yeah, obviously, Damian Lillard, who we've talked about plenty. We don't need to jump into him. I think DeJounte Murray is still a possibility, given Atlanta wants to shed more salary. You mentioned John Collins to start. You know That was essentially a salary dump. They just traded him off for nothing. 
And uh, I think you look at Colin Sexton too. You know, I think that'd be another guy with the Jazz taking on Collins, having more salary on the books, you know, maybe look to get some value for Colin Sexton and lean into young guards, maybe Cam Thomas heading over there or something like that could be a possibility. And I think Anthony Simons, even though we did talk about him a little bit on one of the previous podcasts, I think he'd kind of fall into this group as well, because if Dame does stay in Portland, that'd be another guard on the market. So I think those four guards and obviously two of them coming from the same team. And maybe, maybe you could pack Markel Fultz in there. I'm not sure. It's really like a lot of guys are just around that same level. It's very difficult to kind of separate because they're all relatively realistic because there's a reason they're on the list because the team that they're on is either looking to make big changes or they have too many players that position. Yeah. If the blazers stand pat, then Simons is the one that's most likely at the door. And if you can get him for pennies on the dollar, I'm a fan of his. I know some people are just like, oh, the net's being mid. The net should just be mid. Anthony Simons is a really good player. And I think he's basically what a lot of people think that Cam Thomas already is. I think Anthony Simons, like, I think Cam Thomas can maybe turn into an Anthony Simons type and maybe you're just overlapping and you're trading out Cam Thomas. I don't know, but I think Anthony Simons has proven a little bit. Mark L. Fultz, I think, is the two-way sort of guy that would fit into the prototype that the Nets seem to be sort of going after and building the, their identity around in terms of the team building. I don't. I think the Magic might rate him a bit more highly than, say, a Cole Anthony and a Jalen Suggs. Cole Anthony, you know, we've discussed a little bit, and you know, he's sort of been linked to the Nets, maybe a little bit stronger because of his ties to you know the the city, and you know, he he, he goes to a few of the the WNBA games and, and the Liberty and that sort of thing. So there is rumors there. And, you know, Colin Sexton we've discussed as well. In- terms of like I discussed with like sort of upside and fits into the sort of TPE um, and I think you know the Wizards have so many goddamn guards maybe we can get one of them on the cheap whether it's I think it's more likely to be Monte Morris or DeLon Wright I probably prefer DeLon Wright just because I think he has more two-way ability bit of a steadier presence both of the I think Monte Morris is a better offensive player but in saying that more it's of a natural I guess point guard it, I think yeah, and Corey Joseph might be the best three-point shooter steadying veteran force out of those sort of guys but yeah, but it's it's sort of like, you know, pick and choose when you go to I don't know, when you used to go to the movies and they had those like big lolly sort of stand and you fill up your your paper bag full of lollies and stuff. Maybe that's just an Australian thing. I don't know if they did that in, in other countries. But in, in saying that, Nick, what names do you like? What names do you think are, are most realistic? What do you think fits the Nets mold? Uh, do the Nets just go roll it back with Spencer Dimwitty, which I certainly hope isn't the case? I would prefer any of these guys to have Spencer Dibley. Maybe that's me just being too irrationally low on Spence. I think he's a good regular season player, but I think his deal, you know, is is more enticing as an expiring to other teams. And I just, I want to just a bit of just change some things up. Yeah, I think the thing with Dinwiddie is just a role on the Nets is not good for him. You know, he's better when he's a supporting player like he was in Dallas with Luka. You know, that's way more fitting and he had more success, especially in the postseason that way. I think, you know, we're just looking at what the Nets have done in the past. They like bigger guards. So I think DeJounte Murray is attractive to them. Obviously, we know Marx's ties to San Antonio and how that could kind of play a role in it. And maybe he can get some good info on that. And I think the same thing we've said about a lot of things, too, is like, what's the package look like? You know, the Nets could take DeJounte Murray into their trade exception, and that would save the Hawks a lot of money. I'm not sure what the Nets would be like in terms of luxury tax if they'd want to send somebody somewhere else, or it could be a three-team trade where maybe they're you know sending Joe Harris to San Antonio and giving them some type of compensation and then taking DeJounte Murray into Brooklyn and sending Atlanta, you know, maybe two first round picks. I think they're looking to probably get something back, but they also understand you know he's an expiring deal. 
probably looking for a big contract. I think Markel Fultz has grown on me a little bit just for the sense of him being enticing, given that like he can get a lot better, not just because even though he's a little bit older, given the circumstances of his career, you know what I mean? And he kind of fits some of the mold of what the Nets are looking for with that two-way ability. Con Sexton, I think is a guy that you could probably get a little bit cheaper um, especially given what's going on in Utah and maybe he could kind of pop off and, you know, if he worked out with your team and you wanted to extend him further, you know, he could kind of become your six man type player. So it's also like, how do these guys fit on the nets? How do their contracts fit long-term and how adaptable are they to different roles? You know, let's say the nets traded for one of these guards and then maybe trade for Damian Lillard at, you know, the trade deadline, could they fit with Dame or would they have to be sent out or would it be, you know, another star potentially added to this team would, you know, how would it all kind of gel? I think that's also like the long-term approach and why certain guys would be willing to give a little bit more because you could see how they could complement a star or be part of a championship team where some of the guys we've mentioned are more, you know, mystery players like Cole Anthony, like who knows if he'll be good enough to be a, a rotation player in a championship team, because we haven't seen him in the playoffs. His role has been very inconsistent in Orlando and he really hasn't hit his peak. So who can he be? I think a lot of these guys, we don't have a definitive answer, but we at least have an idea. You know, we have an idea who DeJounte Murray is. We have an idea of Colin Sexton. You know, it's just more of these other guys, like who really are they and what can they be and how would they fit on a championship roster? And I think at the end of the day, that's a big part of what you're trying to do. Yeah, DeJounte Murray fits the timeline, you know, age yeah. 26, yeah, heading into his age 27 season next year, you know, had his highest scoring or second highest scoring season, sorry, uh, 20.5 points, you know, had pretty, his highest three-point shooting volume. Three ball progressed. Not great efficiency, hasn't been. Three ball did progress. It was, you know, a little bit shoddy uh, the last, his last two years in San Antonio, but I didn't know, Nick, that he, in his final season in San Antonio, he averaged 9.2 assists per game. Yeah, that's something that just like you know, when you're sort of just focusing so much on one team's basketball, it shows that he can be a playmaker. And maybe I, I think you've spoken to me about Dejounte Murray in terms of his long term future within Brooklyn and, and him wanting to get paid and how much you're willing to pay Dejounte Murray and tie your core to being Dejounte Murray, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, possibly Nick Claxton. I think that'd be a really fun team, and I think it could be maybe a similar sort of like Miami Heatish sort of team where it's just like, you know, if the things bounce right, those guys stay healthy, you know, things could go well. I, I don't know, but I think DeJounte Murray fits the most in. I think he's the best player at discounting, you know, Damian Lillard, who's probably only got two more years of this prime, I think. DeJounte Murray's probably got another five years playing at this sort of level and you know his ability to be a playmaker, to self-create his own shot, probably one of the best defensive guards in the league. He'd fit in so goddamn well within the Brooklyn Nets system, but it's gonna cost you something. And it's just like And it's a risk because it'll hit free agency. Exactly. And it's 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 a big risk. And are you willing to give up you know all these sort of pieces for a, a, a possible rental? That's something that the that Sean Marks and, and the brass at in, in Brooklyn need to consider. But you'd think that you wouldn't, you know, give out your assets and and and, and your expirings and, and picks or whatever. You'd have to have sort of like a wink wink behind the scenes with the sort of agent and get some level of assurance that he's going to stay. You know, we've spoken about Pascal Siakam. You know, we've heard rumors around him. If a team were to trade for him, he's not going to re-sign. So I think the likelihood of getting him, as we've spoken about him on our trade targets pod before, is less likely. DeJounte Murray is one that has been brought up. We've discussed, you know, the Murray versus Lillard sort of thing. You know, in a vacuum, you, you go Lillard because this guy is an all-NBA player, probably a top 10 player on his day, but it's two more years of his 
two, maybe three more years at his prime. You know, DeJounte Murray, you have like for the long term, the foundation, you sort of build around that sort of identity and it fits a little bit better, but maybe your ceiling is a little bit lower. So those are the things to consider. And you know, what are you giving up for either of these guys? Yeah. I think DeJounte Murray would be fantastic. I'd love a Colin Sexton because I love his sort of competitive attitude. And I think he can be a better defender within the Brooklyn Nets system. You know, you got Clacks and Mikael Bridges and these sort of guys behind. I think he's hyper competitive. And I think that the Nets environment and their new assistant coaches would bring out quite a bit in him. But if you go after a Damian Lillard, maybe you trade for a DeLon Wright or a Monte Morris uh, as well, or a Corey Joseph to add a sort of steadying backup guard that's sort of like a George Hill sort of type that comes off the bench and gives you some steady 15, sort of 20 minutes. So there are so many avenues that the Nets can go go towards. I think in terms of when it comes to the guard position, because it's, I think, probably the greatest, if not maybe the second greatest need. I don't know where you I stand. I think it's Nick, probably but... the biggest need. I think uh, you need more creation. Even if you were to keep Spencer Dinwiddie, they're just clearly the offense was the biggest issue. Rebounding was a problem in the playoffs, but the Nets, the main reason they lost those games was they didn't score enough points. You know, it's not like, you know, Philly was dropping 130. It was like the Nets were in those games if they could get some type of offense rolling and it just felt like they could not in any way. Yeah, if you get 20 and 8, 20 and 7 from DeJounte Murray, you throw him into next to Mikael Bridges, you're getting your 25 and and 5. Cam Johnson's giving you 23 and 3, and Nick Claxton's giving you a double-double. Uh, that's pretty nice, and you fill out the rest of the roster. Maybe you sort of, you're back in the development of your young guys. Cam Thomas becomes a sort of six-man. Dayron Sharp or Noah Clowney gets some time, and Tariq Whitehead gets himself right. You know, that'd be a fun team to to discuss for, for 18 games next year and, and hopefully beyond. But in terms of what you want, Nick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Like th- this guard position is... one more is... question before we get into um, sure. this, Jack. I would say this. In your eyes, would you rather, you know, have an overpaid superstar or have an overpaid you know, all-starish player. And that's kind of the conversation when it comes to Damian Lillard and DeJounte Murray. I think, you know, DeJounte Murray will probably get slightly overpaid. Like that's just what happens in free agency most of the time. And we already know Dame is not overpaid right now, but he's likely to be overpaid in the next two to three years, given his age and the way that smaller guards have kind of progressed in their career. So what would you rather have? Look, 
in terms of Damian Lillard, we know what he's going to get paid. You know, yeah. it's 50 plus 60-ish million dollars heading into the twilight of his career. DeJounte Murray, because he hasn't had the accolades, the All-Stars, the All-NBAs, all those sort of things, he can't get those bonuses. So you can't give him 40 plus million dollars. So that probably gives you a semblance of comfort going forward. Like he's sort of around the the Jordan Poole, the Anthony Simons, the Tyler Heroes, the those sort of guys. I don't know what he can get. I think you're much smarter that when it comes to the sort of CBA I want to say that he can get 40 35 million. or can he get 40? I, I, I'm going to check up. it right now to double check. Yep. I'll, I'll keep chatting about him because there's look, it's about what your goals are as an organization. And I think so many people are just like, well, can the Nets even win a championship with Demi Lillard? Can they win a championship with Dejounte Murray? Like, I don't know. Like, can they win one with either of them? Maybe if you fill out the roster and, and things pop a little bit, Mikael Bridges becomes an all-star all NBA sort of guy. Dejounte Murray becomes the best sort of, you know, lead guard that the Nets have had in, in a very long time since Kyrie Irving. I don't know. Like it's, it's, I think the answer to that question has a level of nuance. There's no right or wrong. I think that's how all answers are. There's there's no black and white. There's always a semblance of shades of gray. I know that I'm certainly uncomfortable with Damian Lillard being age 36, earning 60 plus million dollars. I think I'm somewhat comfortable because I think he'll age relatively well. And I think at the very least, he's going to be a gunner from three. And I think Steph Curry and how he's aged has given me comfort there. DeJounte Murray earning 30 to $40 million, you know, is that overpay for a guy that's not an all-star? It's sort of like the CJ McCollum. He's the CJ yeah. McCollum of the Brooklyn Nets. But it's a good comp. I think, I think DeJounte Murray is better than CJ McCollum. Better two-way ability better, at the very least. Better two-way ability. And I think he's improved as a self-creator. I think he's a better passer as well. So I think he's a more complete basketballer. I think CJ is probably a better scorer. And I think that that skill matters shooter, a lot. Too. Yeah. But way better shooter in, in, in that realm too. So... Do the Nets want, you know, two-way CJ McCollum or do they want, you know, Bradley Beal's contract in Damian Lillard's body? That's a hard question to answer. And I don't think I have the answer to it, Nick. I think I stand somewhere in between. Like it's, I don't mean to sit on the fence, <laughs> but I'm sitting on the fence. I'm sitting on the fence. Well, this is an article last year with last year's cap project, uh, projections and the cap has gone up a couple million since then. So um, the, they'll be a little bit lower, but if uh, Dejounte Murray were to re-sign with the Nets after uh, next offseason, after this season, if he could sign for five years, two hundred fifteen million, around forty million a year, finishing around fifty million a year. If he signed with a new team, it would be something like four years, one hundred sixty million. So I think that's really it for Dejounte Murray. If you're paying him in the thirty-ish range, you know, under thirty-five you feel really good. If it gets up to that 40 number, now it becomes one of those contracts that make you feel uncomfortable with the new CBA because you know he's probably more of your third best player with a championship team unless he takes some major strides forward. So I think for me, I'd probably rather overpay the superstar because I know what I'm getting. You know, I know that I'll have these two to three really, really good years. And that's the hardest thing to get as a superstar in the NBA. So I think that in a way is a safer bet and you're understanding, you know, what you're getting into where, DeJounte Murray, maybe this is the best version he is, or maybe he peaked last year and he's not going to shoot as well from three over the course of the next couple of seasons. So I think that's where it gets scary. But at the end of the day, he's not signed to a contract and that's where it could get more interesting because he can negotiate. But if I had the option to pay, you know, Dame his contract or pay DeJounte Murray, you know, 40 million plus for four to five years, I think I'd probably go with Dame. But that's just a matter of, that's you know, what, if he was willing to, what deal he's willing to sign. 
yeah, that that's it at the end of the day. You know, it's up to we ha- we have no idea what what the answer is to that question. I guess to round up the guard sort of discussion, Nick. You know, I think Anthony Simons is is a guy that I think would would be really good. I think he's probably the best three point shooter self out of this bunch in terms yeah, of easily self career self creation. Like he shot nine point one threes last year, like volume and on thirty seven percent. Year before that, he shot nearly forty one percent on eight attempts. So like, if you're looking for self creation, hot offense, Jordan Pulley, Tyler Heroy sort of type and you know guy who was only age 23 you know he's i don't think he's reached his peak and maybe with the nest development stuff becomes a bit better of a defender but i think he's a little bit short probably doesn't fit into the the mold of what the nets like in terms of those sort of sizable guards but yeah i just thought it'd be worth mentioning anthony simons i in think it'd be really of- nice to uh pair with like a big defensive minded guard like ideally like pairing him with DeJounte Murray would make a ton of sense you know not that the Nets are going to trade for both those guys in the offseason but someone like that that would allow him to kind of play more of that score and shooter role and have some stuff created for him and you know be like you mentioned defensively it's not very good and that's kind of where it's like all right he's a a shooting guard in a point guard body yeah he's essentially like if you had Anthony Simons Cam Johnson Mikhail Bridges Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, whoever you want to sort of put at the four, and then Nick Claxton, you know, they can cover a lot of his weaknesses. I think he has plenty of them. I think he's one of maybe, if not the worst defensive guard that we discussed in this sort of list. Monte Morris has nothing to ride home about. So I think it's about what you prioritize and we don't know what's going to happen. But I think at the end of the day, the thing that I remain steadfast on, I want the Nets to make an upgrade at the guard position. It needs to happen in terms of self-creation, creation for others. There needs to be some sort of change there, whether it's an upgrade at the backup, whether it's an upgrade at the lead guard position, something needs to happen there, Nick, because I don't, don't think Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson have the level of ability to involve others in their, in the offense, despite the fact that I think they've shown some growth there and will continue to show some growth there. Yeah, the Nets need to upgrade there and whatever the route is, we've discussed plenty of them, something needs to happen there. Yeah, I think I agree. I think uh, they need to have another guard on the roster. Even like, as I mentioned, even if they keep Spencer doing somebody else who can create for themselves, also create from others and apply rim pressure. I think that's something they've missed at times last year is just having somebody can get downhill. You know, that's what kind of becomes attractive about Markel Fultz, the way he kind of pushed last year. You know, Colin Sexton, as you mentioned, plays with great energy. So I think all these guys would be pretty interesting. I'm going to just throw in one weird name that I think it would just be kind of something I could see the Nets doing, not necessarily saying I would ride forward or it's something I want, but I could see them making a move for DeMar DeRozan, you know, just like if they got him for a cheap deal, you know, he's expiring $20 million. Maybe they give him an extension on that. He seems like a player that Sean Marks and Joe Sy would like as a culture guy would instantly give you an offensive option. The Nets would be able to protect him defensively. And it would be like one of those stopgap moves that, you know, would be predictable for the Nets if they missed out on Damian Lillard. Yeah, look, I'd much rather have DeMar DeRozan as a league guard than than Spencer Dimwitty, despite the fact that... Look, it kind of helps put Spencer has... into a, more of a role that's fitting for him. Yeah, exactly. So, look, obviously, DeMar DeRozan is heading into his age 34 season next yeah. year, but the dude is put up, can put up buckets. Like, he, he is a bucket getter and has averaged, you know, five-plus assists, you know, over his time in Toronto, San Antonio, and Chicago for the past couple of years. And San Antonio sort of gave him that little bit of extra ball handling duty. So I think that wouldn't hate that. Wouldn't wouldn't hate that as sort of like a... Obviously, it's about, again, what the package the Nets get in return, you know, what the Chicago want. You want it for the cheap, cheap. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, look, we'll, we'll see what does pan out, Nick. But something needs to happen at that guard position. And that's going to get better there. I'm I'm really hoping that Sean Marks makes it a priority. And look, if it's... They're, they're, they're banking on... I don't... Cam Thomas taking another leap, maybe. But like, I just... I, I need the guards position to get better because Cam can create for himself. But he ain't a good playmaker for others yet. Yeah, they at the very minimum need a backup point guard. You know, regardless of what happens with Spencer Dinwiddie, he's their lead guard, which is an ideal but they need to have another option. Somebody who can come in or like, let's say Dinwiddie goes down with an ankle sprain for two weeks. Like that's you're you're running no point guard for two weeks. So that needs to be something addressed. You know, Sean Marks needs to cover up the holes in this roster. He kind of got a pass last year because obviously the entire team traded at the trade deadline. So that was a little bit different, but now there's kind of no excuses. And as we mentioned, there's going to be guys available at the minimum. Orlando is trading one of those guys. Yeah. And the, do the Nets get into those sweepstakes? Maybe. Maybe they, they, they get to. Suggs. Yeah, they, they certainly do. They bank on the upside of, of Suggs or Anthony or Fultz. You know, I think we'd, we'd like Fultz for a lot of reasons. I think and he's, he's expiring and due for a new deal. And he won't demand the money that, you know, DeJounte Murray would. And I'm not saying he's the same level of player, but it'd be an interesting thing where maybe you could, you know, trade for him and then sign on to an extension off rip if you're confident that he can, you know, develop further. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd much rather see... Marco Fultz in an edge uniform leading the offense for large periods than, than Spencer Dimitri, but we'll see. Hopefully, very, very soon, we're discussing some upgrades at that guard position. But, Nick, when we get to the bigs, these are the names that I had on my list, and they have varying degrees of likelihood, so don't shoot the messenger. Christian Wood, Mo Bamba, Bobby Portis, Robert Covington, Isaiah Stewart, Mo Wagner, Daniel Gafford, and Kelly Olenek, and then two little cheapy maybe free agent guys that the Nets could add there would be Thomas Bryant and or Mike Muscala. Am I missing anyone? Um, No, I mean, I guess like this is realistic and it's not a dream scenario. And this is, I think, something that could happen would be Carl Anthony Towns. And I'm not saying I want it to happen, but it's important to at least discuss the idea. We've talked about a little bit in the past. Obviously, uh, Minnesota just re-signed Nas Reed for you know, a multi-year contract. They're tied. Next year, they'll be paying like over $100 million to the center position. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think it'd be more likely Cats traded at the deadline or next offseason. But figured I would just mention him. Yeah, and Randy P in the replies to my tweet said Cat as well. We discussed Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young, and Damian Lillard probably a, a month ago, two months ago in terms of discussing those guys. So evergreen content. If you want to check out our discussion on Carl Anthony Towns, check out the archives of the Brooklyn Buzz. But in terms of the other guys that I've listed, Nick, we can discuss saying desire the likelihood who do you desire most out of those names um probably kelly olenic or bobby portis i think uh portis is a guy i've been i've mentioned like to the start of free agency just knowing about the new cba and the bucks mentioning they want to make changes and they're being in a cap situation where they're probably going to have to resign chris middleton and brooke lopez is going to have multiple suitors so portis would be a guy that they'd want to get off the nets could take him into the trade exception probably wouldn't cost them too much especially because the bucks are trying to shed that salary and the same thing with olenic you know we talked about john collins already they add another big to the group. They already have Lori Marketing and uh, Walker Kessler. So now you're looking at that situation. It's like, why have that guy when you can get value for him? So those would be two guys, I think, off rip that are pretty attractive in terms of likelihood and impact. Yeah, and look, we didn't throw Brook Lopez's name into the mix, but maybe in free agency he decides. I, I think there's Brooke. a zero chance because I think Houston's going to throw some money at him. Yeah, that's probably the more, the more likely route. But in terms of Bobby Portis, Nick, and 
when it comes to rebounding, when it comes to three-point shooting, when it comes to just, as we discussed plenty of times, guys can just play basketball and be out there in big moments. Bobby Portis has done that to our Brooklyn Nets in the past yeah. in, in playoff matchups and regular season matchups. So I think, you know, he's not, you know, he's younger than I thought, you know, heading into his age 28 season next year. So I think he'd be a, a nice target to to look at. I think he, and then you look at Kelly O'Lenick, who both of us have had our issues with in terms of when we've done general NBA pods for our different networks and different podcasts in the past. But looking at him as just a general guy that would just fit in as a role-playing big, like he'd be just really, really good. You know, his three-point shooting has been pretty solid, you know, and last year was continued to be solid. He knows how to score the basketball. Uh, a sneaky, savvy passer as well. Good good enough rebound, I think. If you're discussing the two, Bobby Portis is probably a guy I would prioritize more because of his rebounding. Kelly Olenek has probably a bit of playmaking. And what yeah. do you prioritize more there? The Nets have sort of said rebounding is an issue that we, we want to address. Bobby Portis is the guy that sort of fits that uh, bill. So I'd, I'd go after those two as well, Nick. I think those are the names that I would like the most. And Portis provides a level of just attitude that the Nets lack. You know, he's a guy that's just like going to fight with people and protect his teammates. And it might not seem super important, but I think it's important for this Nets team that does get punked sometimes, especially if I like it in the playoffs when they lost, you know, getting swept by the Sixers in a game where, you know, Joel Embiid didn't play. Um, I think that would be important. But like you said, Olenek would provide something a little different. The Nets have the nice luxury of having Nick Clax on the roster, who I think could play with either of these guys, you know, just because of his defensive flexibility and versatility. Like he could defend four or five, whatever you want to do. And it gives you a little bit level of comfort having, you know, Clax out there with these two. And I think Portis is on a, a pretty nice contract. Like you don't mind paying your third big, you know, 11 to $13 million for the next three years. Like that's kind of a number that you don't mind. Obviously Portis has been, was a little bit up and down, I think last year in Milwaukee, but the whole team wasn't necessarily in the same level of sync. And I think going to a new location could really boost him up. Uh, just one more big, and I don't know how likely this is, because this is a team that I'm having a hard time kind of getting a feel for would be the Pelicans and Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, look, I think Jonas showed flashing moments of three-point shooting. His rebounding is really good, really good post sort of scorer. I think he's sort of like better Yusuf Nurkic, yeah. if that makes any sort of sense. Better offensive player in terms of how he'd fit. I don't know if you can play him and Klax together. You might be able to. Klax plays it before. But I, I would prefer, you know, I think that's the name worth mentioning. I also think it's worth mentioning Kelly Olenek's three years, $37 million deal, you know, around so that $12 million range would fit into the sort of TPE. You yeah, know, and I he's think expiring that too. So then it's like, like you could extend him if you want, or you could just kind of try him out for the year and then move on from there. Yeah, so I think those two are the names that we have at the top of our list. I think Jonas Valanciunas is worth bringing up because I think he is the sort of most traditional in terms of, you yeah. know, you're looking for you to sort of barely center, can rebound, doesn't give you probably the defensive flexibility that the Nets might prioritize in terms of the way that they, well, but maybe things do change next year. I was going to say new... they have more flexibility to play drop now because of the pieces they have on the roster compared to what it was in the past. I don't think they're, they don't have to be a switch dependent. They can, but I think we've talked about this. And this is kind of more back on the general NBA stuff we used to discuss is like having flexibility as a defense is more important than being really good at one style. I think you'd rather be able to play, you know, two or three different styles really well than play one style at an elite level. Cause you play that one team that can bust that coverage and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's why you probably would prefer a Lennox defensively, maybe Portis, I think, showed more defensive flashes and, and defensive He's skills. He's kind of defensively. Can be a little bit hot and cold. Can be like incredible. But I think Kelly O'Lennox probably steadier there. 
but I think you just get the better player. Like if I was, I think Bobby Portis is a better player and, and I, I would prioritize him in, in that regard. But in in saying that, Nick, any of the other sort of bargain basement sort of names, Gafford, Isaiah yeah. Stewart, Mo Bamba, these sort of guys would give you something, you know, banking on the upside of Mo Bamba maybe. Robert Covington could fit into that sort of switching sort of scheme, some small ball sort of stuff. Isaiah Stewart as well. And Mo Wagner, I think, you know, if Orlando decides to go down the route, I think is a, a very good three-point shooter and would space the floor well alongside Nick Claxton. I think he lacks the talent that a lot of the other guys we've discussed, but wouldn't hate adding him to, to the rotation either. Yeah, Mo Wagner, a free agent, so I'll save my thoughts about him on another show. But uh, Isaiah Stewart, definitely something we discussed on Upside Pod, I think would be great. I guess rumors are that they're not looking to trade him, but I like his fit. Obviously, has developed a little bit from that three-point range. Uh, Gafford, I think would be someone that's more interesting if they ended up having to trade Clax in a Damian Lowe deal or some other type of deal. Um, and... Who else? And you mentioned uh, Mo, Bamba. Mo Bamba. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Lakers would kind of almost be happy to get off of that contract to open up more cap space. So you could probably get him at like an extreme discount. And the Nets did have interest in him in the past. So I think he's very likely to, you know, obviously he just, he's never really put it all together. You know, he's had flashes of being really good. Maybe in Brooklyn, that could be, you know, that final step with the player development staff. So I think like, you could probably get Mo Bamba for a second round pick and just take him into the trade exception if you really wanted to, or maybe it's something where the Lakers are sending a pick and you're sending them Royce O'Neal. You know, we know they had discussions about him and Dorian Finney-Smith around the draft too. So I think um, it's going to be very interesting. I think if I could say one thing about trades for the next week or two, it's going to be the values all over the place because you just don't know how much a certain team wants to get off money, you know, and that's going to be such a huge factor with the new CBA. And we're seeing it already. Like we talked about with John Collins, like we've talked about with the Bradley Beal trade and the whole Chris Paul thing and Jordan Poole and all that, like trade value right now is very hard to gauge because you don't know who's trying to clean their books and who's willing to add salary and kind of compromise them for the future to win now. Yeah. And look, to make the case for a Mo Bamba, because uh, I think he's young and would fit the timeline well. And I think you can bank on some upside. In his last full season with Orlando, where in his age 23 season, we played 71 games, nearly average a double double, you know, near 11 points, eight rebounds, and 38% from three on four attempts. Like if you're banking yeah. on that Mo Bamba, Yes, please. But look, there's injury issues and, and all those different things. Maybe the Nets medical staff sort of see that and they're like, nah, we'll move on to the next one. But in, in saying that, that there's, there's not a stretch big is Mo important. Bamba. You know, I think yeah. even if it's Mo Bamba, it's not the best of the bunch we've talked about, but having a different skill set that you at least can use as a counter. And if Ben Simmons is still employed by the Brooklyn Nets, having a stretch big is important. So I think yeah. that alone makes one of these guys very enticing. And the free agent market is pretty dry, especially with what the Nets can offer. It's going to be important for them to try to get one of these guys. And you know, multiple guys we've talked about today will be traded. You know, it doesn't mean they'll be traded to the Nets, but guys that we discussed today will be traded in terms of the bigs and the guard. So it's like the Sean Mark Sean Marks likes the deal. Do the other teams like the assets the Nets have to offer? You know, it's obviously it takes two to negotiate, but there'll be options and you know opportunities for Sean Marks in the front office to improve the roster and fill needs. Yeah, I think that as we alluded to, the guard position and self-creation and team creation might be the greatest need. The second greatest need might be a spacing big or spacing and rebounding big. There aren't many names on the list that we just discussed that fit that. Mo Bamba in a light version, Bobby Portis in a version, Kelly Olenek to a lesser extent, a slightly lesser extent as well. But there are, there are names. Like if the Nets were to just 
add a Bobby Portis and DeLon Wright in the offseason or something like that, I wouldn't hate it, you know, in in any sort of respect. I just think that the Nets need to continue to get better. They they can't yeah. just stand pat and expect things to change. You know, they got swept in 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 last year's playoffs and while there'll be growth from a lot of players, you know, whether you're looking by, behind the scenes with the Cam Thomas, David Jr., Dayron Sharp and you know the the rookies and Derek Whitehead, Noah Clowney and Jalen Wilson. There'll be growth and and some youth to bring to to add to the mix. But I still think the Nets need to continue to improve the roster. You know, move on from the dead weight that is Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry, and add in guys that you think can actually genuinely contribute to your rotation. And we've discussed ten to fifteen names today that could add something to this Nets rotation. Uh, Jack, I want to throw one last name out there because I think we were originally going to do like a, a trade target for like risky players, but a lot of those guys have already been traded. So um, I think uh, just Zach Levine's a name I'll throw out there. Uh, contract, not pretty. Um, the Nets obviously are star hunting to an extent. Chicago could potentially enter a rebuild. How much value does that contract have or how much would the Nets have to give up? I think it would just be something to mention because I think There'll be at least one or two rumors regarding Zach Levine. Will the Nets be an interested team? I'm not sure. They have been in the past. Yeah, and I remember Rich Paul sort of saying that he doesn't want any of his clients going to New the York Knicks, yeah. as the, the Knicks. So Zach Levine is a, a deal of cl- is on within Clutch's network. I think it's going to be about you know you, it's sort of like guard Carl Anthony Towns in in some respects, yeah. but I think Cat might not have the injury concerns, and I think. You could certainly talk yourself into Cat and Clark. And the Levine contract isn't quite as nasty. It's not great, but it doesn't touch 50 or 60 mil. No. And, and how long is left on it, Nick? It, it goes until 26, 27. He has a player option for 48.9 million. So he's taken that. Yeah, he's definitely taken that. But it's also, like I said, not quite as damaging, but still not as pretty. It's kind of similar to what we discussed with DeJounte Murray. But I think Zach Levine has proven when he's playing really well that he's better than DeJounte Murray but he doesn't necessarily consistently play at that level because of the reoccurring knee issues. And I think that's what really would be frightening. Yeah. He's the best scorer that we probably discussed on, yeah. on this list, you know, in from three and from yourself and, and around the rim. If his injury concerns aren't lingering, I think John Murray is better playmaker and defender. So it, it, there's, there's lots of things to consider Nick and, as we alluded to on previous pods, what is the package back? What is the package that the Nets are sending out for any of these guys? The Nets get value in return and aren't giving up a lot, then you can talk me into a lot of these names. Yeah, if you have to give up two, like if there was a way for you to trade for DeJounte Murray and knowing that you could sign on to a decent contract and you know use a trade exception or use a third team to take on salary and help Atlanta out there, you're getting a discount because they want a clear salary. And the same thing mentioned with Bobby Portis. You know, I think looking at those two teams, like this is an opportunity for the Nets to take advantage of teams selling off money. So just some food for thought. As I mentioned on previous shows, Jack and I are going to be getting busy this week in terms of recording a ton of podcasts. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Jack, always a pleasure. And check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.